This is the Jonathan Herzog Podcast, episode one. What is the most expensive mistake you can make as founder? And how can you avoid making it? In this episode, I'll tell you the biggest, highest price tag mistake founders make, even at, especially at the highest levels. And stay for this new powerful tool for how to stop making it. This mistake is something founders I've worked with pay literally 300, 400, 500 million dollars for. And at the highest levels can cost a founder 15, 50, 75 billion dollars. And it isn't private jets, mansions, islands, or rockets to Mars. To my knowledge, this is the single highest price tag item in any market in the world. And you can save all this money and more with a simple, fundamental skill set. It also happens to be the core driver behind the title and question of this pod. If you're so rich, why are you not happy? Okay, so what is it? It's the price of not knowing how to create or sustain a true, loving partnership. This is the literal sticker price of the millions of marriages that end through self-sabotage in divorce. I know you're thinking, but maybe that doesn't apply to me, or that would never happen. I've heard it all. But the truth is, the slow death of your relationship happens gradually and then all at once. You never expect it. That's kind of the whole point. In the context of your business, of your startup, you know if you're not growing, you're dying. Well, the exact same thing is true in the context of your relationship. Here's the ground truth. We're all fundamentally wired the same way. Our deepest fundamental desire is to be loved as we are. Now, you might think or say what we want most or what some want most is hot sex or great riches, which, by the way, if you follow the logic through, is often just a euphemism for getting the hot sex. It's probably like 80% of the surface layer motivation behind the boast ambitions, particularly male founders. Conscious or not, it's, hey, get super fucking rich to get the hottest girl possible. In other words, the implicit calculus goes as follows. Get super fucking rich to be super fucking happy. And yet, I work with so many of you, and you're so not happy. Why? Now, the nonlinear returns to, say, wealth generation, especially in technology, often means that you don't think twice about this and you don't consider this. But even putting tactical legal documents and prenups aside, I'm talking about the most important asset in your entire life and business, your brain. How much have you consciously, intentionally invested in that, in that asset generating you a return? I mean, imagine your plan for scaling your business, going to a new market, sounding something like, I'll fit it in in my spare time, or I don't know, we don't really talk about it. You know, it takes such a high level of precision, focus, attention, will, energy, iteration to build the billion dollar enterprise. The same is true for cultivating and sustaining a loving partnership. 
Now, one of the core fears I hear all the time is that it will take away from your ambition. It will take away from your success, your achievement, your productivity, your wealth. And in fact, this is a flawed premise and a fallacy on multiple fronts. First, in most instances, you're actually far less likely to achieve at those highest levels. In the first instance, without that kind of supportive, grounded, loving partnership. But moreover, again, look at the literal, actual price tag in the marketplace. The highest single willingness to pay item, the highest sticker price item, 15 billion, 50 billion, 75 billion. These are all public record numbers. Just for context, for example, uh, Bezos and Gates as examples, but there are literally hundreds, thousands of others. And so it's actually quite the opposite. It's not that it would make you less ambitious. It's not that it would take away. You believe that that's somehow zero sum. Because what is at the root of this, what is at the root of the meta skill stack of cultivating and sustaining loving partnership is cultivating and sustaining a loving relationship with yourself. I know. Stay with me. This upstream lack of self-worth and self-sufficiency will present in a form of self-sabotaging that will literally one one thousandth your ceiling and your potential. Now you can measure that in revenue, you can measure that in market cap, you can measure that in valuation. It is a clear, tangible, highest sticker price cost. The number of nine, 10, 11 figure deals that are sabotaged even in the final stages. Because of this, the underlying core beliefs, the underlying lack of self-worth and self-love, it will stagger and boggle the mind. Now, one useful framework to consider here is this idea of an upper limit problem. An upper limit problem is this idea that we have some internal thermometer, an internal implicit um, metric of basically what we can hold in our capacity for success. So let's say if you have like a nest in your home or some kind of auto uh, AC temperature adjustment, right? And if you default it in auto mode to let's say a 75, if it gets super hot or super cold outside, it'll automatically adjust and recalibrate the temperature inside to that even keeled 75 that you set it to. Now we have these implicit internal thermometers around our upper limit beliefs around money in the business, around our health, and around our relationships. And so what happens is, even if you've done the work and you've borrowed other people's beliefs around your capacity to generate wealth and success in business in a way that didn't seem possible to your the environment you grew up in, say, you hold them in disjunction, which just means you make it an or statement. You make it zero sum with, let's say, your health, or your relationships. And we'll get to that in a moment and some of the recent evolution we're seeing, particularly in the technology space on this. But one of the most powerful transformations is to turn it into a conjunction, to turn it into an and statement. And this is so fundamental because 
one of the key upstream drivers of the variance in your profitability, in your revenue, in your sustained growth, of your actual success, is the ability to actually cultivate the self-worth and the self-love, which underpins the upper limit of holding, I can have the success, the wealth, and the health, and the loving partnership. If this is breaking your brain or seems like too good to be true, I hear you. And that is 100% part of the process. But just know this is table stakes and this is a Tuesday in the coaching practice. So, I mean, the number, the number of founders who, I mean, whether it is in year one or two, whether it is five, 10, 15, 25, 30 years of marriage who are self-sabotaging it. And I mean, from messy custody battles to uh, assets, or even not getting into a relationship in the first place, yeah? And thinking, well, that's gonna distract me or take me away from my one thing. But here's what I hear in the same sentence, just as an example, right? I'll wait till let's say 40 to start doing that, to start, let's say, investing in a relationship. But founders simultaneously tell me, and my plan is to, let's say, exit it, right? Or become chairman and resign and go tweet an angel invest. And I'm like, you have to see the price tag, the cost you're actually incurring. I have to sensitize you to this. Like we have causality reversed. Let's say in that instance, this is like a modal case, right? The founders built at least paper valuation, a billion dollar company. And they're like, okay, but I'll put, let's say, love aside or true romance, true loving partnership until we have the IPO or until we have some marker of exit, you know? But their whole plan is essentially to run away from the company. <laughs> and so let's just say the potential ceiling for that, this is a very conservative metric, is like a $100 billion enterprise. If they really grew it to scale and invested it in it for the long term, the price they're paying for not making this investment up front is literally that delta. It's $99 billion. And this is what founders do over and over and over again. Now, you think on the other side of like the exit or the IPO or the sale or the series whatever, right? Or the tweet from this investor or the PR release or the secondary sale. Is the hit of self-worth is the hit of self-love because after all, the achievement is the predicate for that, right? Because now suddenly you're worthy, right? And then you do it and you get there and then you come to me and you're like, life's never been worse. How can this be? You have to understand your mind is a very simple compiler and you're running essentially an open source code base. Yeah. Where you've taken and submitted pull requests from open source developers, whether this be from your family of origin, from technology community from Twitter, from sources around you. And they include lines of code, simply concatenated strings, of letters and words, including you're worthy of receiving and being loved when you achieve at a certain level, when you have a certain outcome. Now, you may not even be aware of this or formulate this consciously, but I've now seen this hundreds, thousands of times. And what happens is you self-sabotage and under-deliver to a thousand fold, a thousand X order of magnitude. 
and you feel shitty and you don't get the relationship that you want. And in the context of your movement or your service to humanity through your business, you vastly, vastly, vastly underdeliver. So this is the thing. Your economic work, economic worth has nothing to do with your human worth. Your human worth is forever and always 100%. From the day you are born till the day you die. No matter what it is you say or do, you are 100% worthy and lovable exactly as you are. Now, many of you are bracing at this. <laughs> I get it. I did too, initially. But you have to see the logical premise underpinning that. You think, well, if I'm not striving because of how much I hate myself, yeah, then I won't achieve, then I won't succeed. And you're very confused about this. Because consider the fuel you're running. It's like you're running on like diesel or coal. And I'm like, hey, would you like to run, I don't know, electric or solar? Like this will burn you out. Your startup, your company is not burning you out. Your mind and the torture, the whipping, the self-flagellation, the beating, the harassment, the abuse you're giving to yourself on the daily, that is what's burning you out. This is the core ground truth. And by the way, how do we know? What is it like being with yourself and your own brain? I'm saying no podcasts, no Spotify, no Twitter, no Slack, no email, no nothing. Just being with you and your brain for five minutes. If a blank space came up in your mind, it's because that is so painful to imagine that you don't even allow yourself to see what it's like to be in relationship with yourself. It's one of the most fascinating things. One other way to get at this by proxy is like, when you're going to bed at night, again, for a moment, imagine there's no phone, there's no Twitter, there's no Slack, there's no email, there's nothing there. Yeah. And we don't stay up so late so that we collapse from exhaustion, but literally like you plan to go to sleep. Whatever that feeling is, maybe it's restlessness, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's worry, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's disconnection. I mean, this is something really to be aware of and to consider what are the sentences, what are the strings of code that your brain is offering you in those moments? Revealing what the code is that you're compiling in those moments of silence is the root causes upstream of most every business decision you're making throughout the day. Because let's say in those moments, we boil it back, we do a root cause analysis and we find it's like, Oh, see, I'm unworthy of love. Or she just wants me for the money. Or whatever permutation it is. And then you go into a, a decision, right? Whether it's a proposed acquisition, uh, a new product line launch, a technical dev shipping matter, a sales engineering matter, an operational go-to-market matter. It doesn't matter. A legal regulatory matter. The underlying algorithm that you're going to be running the way you make a decision in one domain is the way you'll make a decision in most every domain is going to be from this fear, from this fear of being found out that indeed you weren't worthy. You weren't enough. You couldn't be loved as you were. And when you show up this way, the kinds of decisions you make end up literally destroying. I mean, I see this all day, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars in value. So your mind, again, is this open source code base. And most of us have not even um, 
become aware of or empowered to know, hey, we're the full stack developers, we're the full stack engineers. We have read, write, own access, and we have root on this. Yeah. Now, what's fantastic is there's a new generation of founders who have come to see, for example, longevity and physical health with an air of like respectability and importance. This is a very new and leading edge. You know, we can say the stories of the 2000s and 2010s was quite the opposite. And there's very strong hangovers in tech, tech culture. There's even like template code you can copy, like ramen profitability. <laughs> and it's no surprise you see the high incidence of metabolic dysfunction, obesity, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, pervasive chronic illness among founders. Because grind or die, right? More like grind and then die young. Well, here's the thing. The next after this tech bio wave, which is fantastic with biomarkers and biometrics and personalized medicine and the like, is tech mind. We rewiring the lines of code in your mind. Evolving from being the scientist engaged in the discovery to becoming the engineer of your mind. You don't have to wait for the Neuralink implant. We have the tools. We have the skill set right now. We just haven't yet been taught it. So now, thanks to some great positioning, it's like cool and sexy enough. It's Now it's cool to like maybe think about living longer, right? Or not slowly kill yourself with no sleep or shitty food, drugs, and alcohol. But the next next is actually getting at, solving for, and delivering what everyone is trying to get at instrumentally, right? Like as a means to an end, through the exit, or through the success, or it's like what everyone wishes they had, what they spend their life like sacrificing and toiling and suffering for. Now, I'm not talking about like, you're just about to create a lot of scope here. Not the highly therapeutic and sort of everything is trauma domain. Put that all aside. Put that all aside. <laughs> I'm talking about like, holy fuck, like infinite willingness to pay, hardest, most important problem that no one talks about for the wealthiest, most successful people on earth, which is how do I create and sustain loving partnerships? And again, when you take that one step further, what you'll see and what you'll find is how do I cultivate and sustain unconditional self-love? By the way, as a sidebar, it'll be the most attractive trait, that self-awareness, if you choose to invest in and cultivate and build the muscle of that skill, get you the best sex and intimacy of your lifetime. But that's just one of the many strategic byproducts. So to kind of broaden out the context, right? And maybe you've have or know someone who has spent like 12K on that silent meditation retreat or that fast or this, you know, vitamin infusion or whatnot. Um, or, you know, now there's hundreds of millions going towards various, you know, mushrooms and alternatives to SSRIs and stimulants and fine. Um, I'm talking about something completely different. Now, just to give you a TLDR, like a one sentence, on what any of these possible interventions, let's just say meditation will do. The one sentence, one line of code is like, hey, you are not your thoughts. You ideally would maybe if you do 10 years of practice and enlightenment, become you're the watcher of your mind and create separation between you and the sentences, you and the lines of code that you're compiling. But I'm talking about a thousand X of the velocity and the acceleration and the impact and the efficiency of transformation because you become the engineer of your mind. You're not just doing research in the lab and pipetting, right? Meditating, ruminating on it. I'm talking about actually learning the skill of engineering your thinking. 
It is the most valuable skill set and asset on your balance sheet to manage your mind. Now, the fundamental matter here, right, is like, hey, that can be a fairly, it sounds like a slow and difficult process. Like, I don't have the time. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have the time not to do this. Because in a matter of like a five-minute upfront upstream investment, the quality of your decisions, the just the sheer like tangible, actual market impacts of running a compiler that is not garbage in, garbage out. It is like the actual tangible impacts will blow your mind. Blow your fucking mind. Now, what presents symptomatically as like, oh, I'm just super busy, right? And and we do like an audit of your week. You're in lots of meetings and pitches and you're overwhelmed. You're a man of your team or your co-founder. All of this, when we pull back the layers, is you doing everything to avoid exactly that thing we talked about, that threat of punishment being so brave of having like five minutes with your mind. And so you don't even access the super thinking. You don't even access the high variance thinking. When there's like, I mean, this is just table stakes. There's a $10 million deal sitting latent on the table in escrow, waiting to be activated, waiting to be claimed. And that's just like a modal case of literal piles of cash we're burning right now because there's no greater threat, no greater violence than what your brain, your mind will do to you. And so we fill, we fill, we fill, we fill our lives and our calendars with such busyness. And I love and salute the contribution of founders who've sensitized us to how we do this on the cellular level, the cellular violence that we do with let's say, sugar consumption. But I'm talking about something a thousand times more costly and violent than even sugar. The sentences in your brain. The abuse you're doing to yourself on the daily basis. And by the way, you don't ever have an overeating problem. You have an underfeeling problem caused by your thinking. Because your thoughts create your feelings. This is a trillion dollar concept right here, bearing repeating. Your thoughts create your feelings. One last time with me. Your thoughts, which by the way, you get to choose and engineer, create your feelings. Now, we'll get to this in later episodes in greater depth. We do this all day. If you work with me in a one-on-one capacity, your feelings Determine everything you do, every decision you make. Now, just imagine as we round this out, going through a week and like not brushing your teeth or showering at all. Do you think there'd be some like gross ass shit in there? (laughs) Or like going through a week and not washing your hands for a week. I mean, this used to be the case, right? And then we found, well, huh, this like simple checklist intervention like i don't know washing your hands with soap can eliminate a whole host of like acute infectious disease transmission and i'm talking about like the ultimate virus which is the one in our minds we can inoculate ourselves in this way through this simple cultivated practice so i'm going to offer you this yeah which is consider doing this five minute this five minute 
thought dump. Okay. And so what this can look like is take, let's say that moment before going to bed. Yeah. Take that moment before going to bed. And instead of going to what is now the modern cocaine or heroin, which might be the sugar or the alcohol or the phone, Twitter, take five minutes and do a thought dump. You're going to take a piece of paper and a pen. Okay. And unfiltered, uncensored, you don't got to show this to anyone. This is between you and you. Just dump. This is going to be really hard at first. You're going to have a lot of resistance. You're going to think it's dumb. It's stupid. It's not going to matter. It's not going to be worth it. But I'm telling you, you want Olympic elite level championship training. We got to first get off the couch. We got to first walk down the block. This is the first step. This is the first dumbbell. Five minutes. Write down the sentences. I need to, we need to examine the code base. What are the lines of code in there? What are the thoughts actually there? I mean, this is the kind, this is the initial, right? Because the awareness precedes the change, precedes the transformation. But this is the fundamental building block of the mental training it takes to become a true champion. Working on your mind, on your happiness, is a skill set. Just like working on your body and getting the body you'd like. Just like working on your business and getting the business you'd like. Now, one thing to consider, right, is like, what is the ultimate point? What is the point of what you're doing? What is the point of the suffering you're choosing every day? Now, we think it'll be better there than here, and we have some outcome or some exit there than here. But what you imagine is you'll get to feel a feeling there that you can't hear. And here's the truth. You think you have to get there to feel that way, and the reality is, you have to learn to feel that way now to get there. I'll tell you some of the things that might come up is, you know, we're afraid, e even in this like five minute thought dump, right? It's like, oh, someone will use it against me or, you know, they'll judge me or whatever it is. Again, this is between you and you and you can shred it, you can burn it <laughs> immediately thereafter. thereafter. I just want you to know, like, seeing the full life cycle of this in the founder's life and mind, please, you don't have to wait for a crisis. You don't have to wait for a crisis. Um, because, I mean, just to speak to you in money terms, like, the sticker price is, again, conservatively, like, $300 million. Let's just say. It's a very conservative metric right? If you're this kind of founder, that is the crisis price. Now that can present again in the example we talked about of choosing to self-sabotage and destroy your marriage and family. And that's literally the sticker price you'll incur downstream of that. But also just the costs of the low quality, low variance decisions we'll make in the business. But like, you don't need to wait for a crisis. And you know this, at least you know the theory of it in your business. I'm saying preemption. I'm saying prevention. Like, I can give you, and I do, I give you the like full comprehensive tactical skill stack and playbook, right? For scaling the founder-led movement, scaling it in this era. And it's amazing because on average, what we see is in 90 to 120 days, we have a consistent, direct outbound machine 
where we, we deliver on customer finance acquisition. And what this means is, very simply, you got more cash coming in than you got going out. I'm not talking paper value. I'm talking about real, actual revenue generation. And the effect of this is that you as founder never have to raise around or frankly, hire again. And this is amazing. This is like the promised land. But here's the truth. I have this whole tactical stack. I deliver it to you. We work through it. It's a structured protocol. It's a structured algorithm. It's amazing. It's the best in the world. But none of it matters. If we don't do the upstream root cause underlying limiting belief work, that upper limit work, we will get you. And you know we do this all day with Fortune 100s, Fortune 50s, Fortune 10s, top five market cap orgs, government agencies. You pick the enterprise that you want to close with, whatever size deal, we get you there. And you will find a way to self-sabotage that deal if we don't do the underlying belief work too. That's why we parallel process. We simultaneously parallel process. We deliver on the tactics. We deliver on the tangible. We deliver on the scaling and the growth and the sales side. But even more importantly, we deliver on the upstream truest, deepest desire and core belief. The quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. And the quality of your relationships is the quality of your relationship with yourself. Pick your heroes carefully too. <laughs> Thank God for Jensen Huang. You know, because what, what happens is you won't have the stamina to see it through for the 30 plus years, the marriage, the family, or the trillion dollar business. Like we can't just phone it in the full stack of our life. And that's kind of evident to us. It's been put in our brains as it relates to the business, the corporation. But we can't phone it in for the rest of our lives too, because you're one human. You're one integrated whole human. And there's going to be spillover effects, very expensive spillover effects in the context of the decisions you make in the business. Listen, you can break through all of your upper limits and have the health, the wealth, the relationship of your dreams. You can do so ethically, morally, with integrity, aligned with your higher purpose and calling. You think learning how to be happy will make you less successful, but the reason you're not where you want to be in your success is because you haven't learned the skill set of being happy. You never rise to, to the level of your ambition. You stay stuck at the level of your self-worth. And that can be like, and this is again between you and you. People can like herald you and like you can be on paper and like in other people's minds, incredibly successful. But if you feel that there's some delta between where you are and where your creator made you to be. Where if you knew you would die tomorrow, you'd think, hey, there was more left on the table, more left of who I could be. That's what I'm talking about. We come to those moments and we want to blame the markets, the investors, the competitors, the customers, but deep down you'll know. This is the fundamental ground truth. I'm curious for you right now. How are you feeling? I mean, this is a question that we don't really ever ask or answer. How are you 
feeling. I mean, just consider, like, we have to constantly update our mental models, yeah? And frameworks, both of the world, the macroeconomy, and even of, like, Coase's theorem and the nucleus and the size of the firm. I mean, just take, for example, David Holtz and Midjourney, right? Zero venture capital. Let's just say on some estimates, 10 billion valuation, 200 million annual recurring revenue with a team of, I don't know, 11? Consider WhatsApp, consider Instagram. This is the new frontier. A tiny, lean, efficient machine that has a self-sustaining cash flow growth machine through customer finance acquisition. You never have to raise around or hire again. And we sort of um, still run this like bygone era, right? Of wishing of like a thousand employees and big square footage. But you have to understand why, because you're a very smart first principles thinker in most domains, right? You have an engineering product focused mind. But why lust after something that makes no sense? It's like completely incoherent. Because you think on the other side of that is, ah, I've achieved, I've successful, I've arrived, I've made it. And more importantly, <gasps> then I get to feel worthy and enough and loved. Whether this is conscious or not, we walk through the logical extension every single time. But listen, Kodak is dead. Blackberry is dead. It's a bygone era. And this is what we're still trying to mental model ourselves. So come on over to jonathanherzogcoach.com and book a free coaching consult today. Everything we do is fully confidential and private. You are worth it. Invest in your highest returning asset. It's the upstream driver of whether you create or destroy tens, hundreds of millions in value. I mean, fuck it. If you're so rich, why don't also be happy? Mm -hmm.